so today we're in chapter two now of the Westminster Confession of Faith. Remembering chapter one was about scripture. Um, chapter two uh, begins to talk about God. And you might think, well, why you know, that kind of order seems a little bit reversed. Isn't God the most important? Shouldn't we talk about God first and then, you know, scripture later on? Uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith, they, they did this very deliberately. Uh, scripture comes first as chapter one because everything that they're going to talk about next in the following chapters about God, about Christ, about the Holy Spirit, about redemption, about mm -hmm. salvation, about the Lord's Supper, about the Ten Commandments and how we should respond to it, about, you know, the doctrines of faith, justification, sanctification, adoption, all those things. All those things appeal to Scripture. Um, all those things, all the, all the you know, uh, words that they came up with in the confession of faith come from the ultimate authority, which is Scripture. And so it makes sense that Scripture was chapter one, because you have to establish that as the ultimate authority first. And then from that flow, the rest of this uh, theology and the rest of this doctrine about God, about you know, Jesus, about the Holy Spirit, about man, and, and uh, everything else that follows that. Rod, did you have? No, no, I bumped into Karen. Okay. So chapter 2, uh, today we're going to look at chapter 2, section 1, uh, which begins uh, the, the doctrine uh, of God. Okay, so let me read, uh, let me just read this section, and then, and then we'll, talk, we'll, we'll try to break it down a little bit. There is but one only living and true God, who is infinite in being and perfection, a most pure spirit, invisible, without body, parts, or passions, immutable, immense, eternal, incomprehensible, almighty, most wise, most holy, most free, most absolute, working all things according to the counsel of his own immutable and most righteous will for his own glory, most loving, gracious, merciful, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, forgiving iniquity, transgression and sin, the rewarder of them that diligently seek him and withal most just and terrible in his judgments hating all sin, and who will by no means clear the guilty. That's, that's quite a mouthful. Uh, but, but you can break this statement about God down into two sections. Um, find, you know, in the inside of your bulletins where, where the, this section is printed, find the, uh, I think it's the one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh line, where it says, you know, uh, counsel of his own immutable and most righteous will for his own glory. And then there's a, I think that's a semicolon. Everything before that talks about what we call God's incommunicable attributes. These are attributes of God that... So, so, so... You know, everything before that seventh, uh, that line where it says most righteous will for his own glory. Everything before that uh, are God's incommunicable, incommunicable attributes. 
Um, incommunicable meaning uh, these are just characteristics and attributes that he has in himself that no one else has. None of his creatures, no, you know, none of the angels, none of the, uh, uh, you know, nothing else has these attributes. And if you read these attributes, these, you can, you can, it makes common sense why they are incommunicable, right? He is infinite in being and perfection. None of us are infinite in being, <laughs> okay? He is invisible, all right? None of us are invisible. He's without body, parts, or passions. Immutable, meaning he doesn't change. Immense. Immense just means he's everywhere. You can't hide from him. That, that famous psalm, where can I go from your spirit? If I make my bed in heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the, in the lowest of Sheol, which is uh, uh, in, in, in ancient uh, Israelite uh, culture, Sheol is the bottommost part of hell. You are there, the psalmist says. Uh, can't escape from God. Eternal. None of us are eternal. Uh, we were all created. We all had a beginning. The world had a beginning. Time had a beginning. Right? God, when God said, you know, let there be light and then the first day, uh, you know, into the second day. Uh, but God is eternal, meaning he had, you know, he's, he's always been. No beginning and no end. Incomprehensible, almighty. We might think we're almighty. My son thinks he's, he's in a phase now where, you know, the terrible twos, where basically it's a struggle between him re realizing he's not almighty. He thinks he is, but he's not. Uh, just a quick story. Yesterday, we took him and the grandparents, my parents, to Ikea. And my son has this thing where he, he, he likes to direct everybody. So like my parents, you know, they're, 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 they're recently trying to move into a new apartment, trying to look for a bed. So, so we did the thing where sat on the beds in Ikea and tested them out. But my son had to direct everybody Everybody lie on the bed at the same time. And we couldn't leave the, 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 the bedding area without everybody. And he, he was very insistent. Everybody has to lie on the bed at the same time. Okay, okay, okay. Or else, you know, we couldn't leave. He, he's, he's basically wrestling with the fact that he's not almighty, right? And, and we have to teach him. Most wise, most holy, most free, most absolute. Working all things according to the counsel of his own immutable and most righteous will. Everything before that are what we call the immutable, uh, in, I'm sorry, incommunicable attributes of God. These are attributes that only he has that are not uh, able to be communicated or, or shared with any of his creatures. Did you have a, is that a question or, okay. Everything after that are communicable attributes of God meaning uh, his creatures can share these attributes, except God has these attributes uh, to a level of perfection and to a level of infinite, uh, 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 you know, God has these attributes in perfection, in glory, and in an infinite amount of, of, of way, Where, whereas we are limited and we are fallen and we are weak. It's also 
Ours are because of what God says in Genesis, where we are created in his image. Um, so, you know, if I have a picture of a, of a Lamborghini, and, you know, if I take a picture of a Lamborghini, the Lamborghini is, has these traits, you know, it's, it's motor, it's engine, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's color, it's shell in itself. The, the, the photograph shares some of that, but it's, it's, it's because it's an image of the, of the real thing. Um, so everything after for his own glory, those are communicable attributes. Most loving, yes, we can love, but not as perfectly, not as infinitely, not as greatly as God. Gracious, merciful, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, forgiving inequity, transgression and sin, the rewarder of them that diligently seek him, and withal most just and terrible in his judgments, hating all sin, who will by no means clear the guilty. A lot of these are are communicable attributes that we, all of humanity has uh, by virtue of the fact that we were created in his image. Uh, we do not have them. Any of these attributes, even though we share them with God, even we do not have these attributes and perfection in the infinite nature that God has them. Even when we are glorified in heaven, we will not have them on the same level as God. Uh, even though we will be perfected because God is still the creator and we are still the creatures. Um, Mark, did you have something that you wanted to add? Okay. Was that what you wanted to add even in... When was... Okay. Uh, I would suggest this. If, if this week you're looking for uh, something different to do in your devotion, uh, you can take this section... Um, you know, print out print out one with scripture proofs, like like what I have here, okay, and, and treat them like a, a a spiritual box of chocolates. You know, like when you get a box of chocolates, you don't eat all of them all at once because that ruins the, the 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 uniqueness and the deliciousness, the delicateness of of each one. You take one and you eat it, and then after some time, you take another one and you eat it, right? So so you you get the full you get the fullness of of each candy. Um, take some of these attributes uh, and take them one at a time. Look up the scripture verses and, and meditate on them. Okay, um, we 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 talk about all of them in this thirty-minute Sunday school because we have to, but really they are each one worth meditating over. I'm just going to do a few of them. Okay, not all of them, but just a few of them. All right. The, the, the part where God says he is infinite in being and perfection. Let me read Job 11. Job 11, 7 to 9. Uh, this is one of the things that the friend of Job tells Job in his suffering. Of course, we know the overall context is that these friends, you know, their theology is correct, but what Job really needed was compassion. Nevertheless, their theology is correct, okay? And so this is one of the friends when and, and, and what he says to Job. Job 11, verses 7 to 9. Can you search out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than heaven. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol, what can you know? 
their measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. You know, there in, 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 in poetry, the friend is basically saying, you know, take the, the, the highest knowledge that, that we have of the heavens. You know, today we've sent, back when I was a child, they, they uh, read about Voyager, right? The Voyager missions uh, that went to the different planets, Voyager 1 and 2. They're still, you know, flying out there. And that's basically the, the, the further extent of our knowledge of the heavens. But this friend says, God's, the limits of God, they are higher than our knowledge of the heavens. The limits of God, they are deeper than Sheol, which again to the Israelite was, uh, you know, the, the deepest of the depth. Um, basically, there's two. Sheol is used in two different ways. Um, Sheol is used in a literal way, as in the bottom, the most bottom depth of the earth, like, you know, the bottom depth of the sea or the ocean. It's also used in a spiritual sense, hell. Um, but basically, the friend is saying, God's, the knowledge, the, the, the things of God, they are deeper than Sheol. Measure is longer than the earth, broader than the sea. So God is infinite. Um, when it says, without body parts or passions, let's take a look at that. We know, I think the first two parts are pretty easy to understand. God is without body or parts, right? And that is the basis for um, the, the, is it the second or the third commandment? Thou shalt have no graven image um, because, because God is not, he doesn't have body or parts that even if you have like a, like a picture of Jesus or a picture of God, that is, that is an idol, that is sacrilege, because God doesn't have these, these, these parts. Um, but then it talks about passions. You know, we, we don't live in a world anymore that, that talks much about passions and what that, those are. Um, but, but let's read Acts 14. Acts 14, verses 11 to 15. And this is, this is uh, during uh, one of Paul and Barnabas's uh, uh, missionary journeys where they're in Lystra and there's a man who was a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking and Paul observing him intently, seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And then the guy leapt up and, and walked. Now, beginning in verse 11, this is what the town does. Now, when the people saw that Paul had, now, when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices saying in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas, they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in front of their city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. But when the apostles... Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you, 
and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all things that are in them. Um, the King James Version in verse 15, when Paul says, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you. That, that is really the word for passion. We, we are, we're men with, with passions uh, like the rest of you. Um, passions are not just emotions. Uh, if, if we could define it, passions are uh, emotions that cause us to do things. Um, the reason why passion isn't so much talked about much anymore in our world today is because we've made human passions an idol where a person's feelings and emotions are paramount. You know, think about cancel culture. The whole foundation of cancel culture is basically you're saying something that hurts my feelings. And because my feelings are paramount, you can't say that. Um, animal instincts also. Animal instincts, right. Um, what, what, what do you mean by that, Karen? Well, I think about free love mm -hmm. and then as a consequence of free love, mm. free abortions too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, interesting that you bring that up. You know, the, 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 the pregnancy centers that are, you know, the faith-based pregnancy centers that are being critiqued all over the news, you know, left-wing mainstream news. Uh, basically what they do is they 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 try to separate the the young mother who are who's who's trying to make this decision about a life but probably overwhelmed by passions fear or anxiety or whatever passions that are ruling them at that moment in the pregnancy centers all they do is they give maybe they give this mother a sonogram saying this is the this is the or, or, or uh, a picture of, of the baby in the womb, or let them listen to the heartbeat, right? They counsel them about the, the, the life uh, that the child has. Basically, all they're doing is trying to separate the mother from making a decision based just on her passions and helping her to make a rational, logical, wise decision, you know? Um, but we've, we, we're in a world now where, where, where passions have uh, passions rule us, and it's become an idol. Um, I guess that's why there's been, I forget the number, but many hundreds of attacks on, on the crisis pregnancy centers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of just to... to uh, uh, re Bombings, fire bombings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, uh, oh, man, we could go so many different places. The, 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 the Nashville shooter in that manifesto it's basically passions run amok, right? The, the person, everything they wrote is just despicable. Uh, speaking about genocide, basically, of, of white children. Uh, but, but you think about what made this person get to this stage. It's because their passions have run amok. Uh, they're making decisions now based on passion. Um, you know, Karen brought up free love. I just read an article where... Um, more than half of all young people now support polyamorous 
relationship. Polyamorous, just a, a fancy word for adulterous relationships. Okay, multiple partners. Um, it's a good thing that God is without passion. Uh, what that means and what that does not mean. That does not mean God is a robot and he has no emotions or, or, or feelings. Okay, uh, you know, God gets angry. Uh, he loves, right? But the difference is God's feelings and emotions come out of his will. You know, they, they, they are part of his will. He, he, he loves because he wills it. He's angry at sin because of his holiness, you know, because of his will. Um, so there's the idea that it's always controlled. It's never run amok. And passions also allow people to, to change one moment from the next, right? We've all experienced this. When you get angry at someone, you, you say things that you don't mean later on, right? Uh, or the flip side, when you're smitten in love with somebody, you do things and uh, that you, a lot of people, later regret. Okay, uh, it's a good thing that God is without passion. Uh, again, not saying that He's a robot, but just that saying He's different from us. We are ruled by our passions. God's will rules His passions. Um, did you want to say? So Paul's saying that we're not like God. We're subject to the same right. flaws of passion. Yeah, that yeah. The, the New King James Version, some, some, for some reason, translates that as nature. Um, but, but really, that, that word is, is the word for passion. Um, okay, enough about passions. Uh, immutable. What, how, how are we doing on time? 11.35. 11.35. Okay, let me end with this. Immutable, meaning God does not change. Oh, one one thing that you will rec uh, one thing that you will notice about these attributes of God is that if you diminish one, you end up diminishing a whole bunch of other ones. Okay, if you say God has passions, then He's no longer immutable. He 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 becomes mutable by His passions. Okay, if you say that God is uh, in some way created and not eternal, then then that also diminishes his incomprehensibility, his almightiness, his immenseness. Okay, so if you diminish one, uh, a lot of these other attributes get diminished too. Let me just end with uh, God being immutable. That he never changes. Uh, Malachi. Oh, you know this. Yes, but... It's not just, you know, I, I love this verse and I encourage you guys to, you know, if, you, if you're looking for like a, a, a different thing to do uh, for a while for devotion, I encourage you to, to take each of these or two of these and, and read the verses and meditate on them. There's a great reason why God doesn't change. Malachi 3.6. It's not just a theolo theo uh, theological reason. For I am the Lord. I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed. O sons of Jacob. There's a great reason why God does not change. It's because then if he changes, then we're all wiped out. He's no longer remembering his covenant to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Right? He for, if he changes, then he forgets that. And, and all of us, the Israel, and, and you know, by, by, by consequence, all of us are, are, are gone. Um, 
there, it's a good thing that God has not only has an eternal will plan for salvation, but it's also good that He doesn't change. It's good that He doesn't have passions that rule over Him. It's good that He doesn't have parts, meaning part of Him. You know, sometimes we make decisions and we're uh, we half-hearted or 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 we have conflicting, you know. Parts about us, some, you know, some, uh, we might make a decision and part of us regret it, you know. God doesn't have parts. So when he wills and he acts and he does something, uh, there's not a part of him that, 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 that regrets it or, or uh, wishes he had done differently. And that's a good thing for us. Um, otherwise, uh, we wouldn't be able to rely on him. Um, let me just say one, one last thing. In, in kind of myself meditating on these uh, meditating on these attributes of God, when you get down to uh, the part where it says forgive where, where God uh, it says about God, he forgives iniquity, transgression and sin. The citation for that is Exodus 34 verses six to seven. I've always had a question about this with this verse. Um, Exodus 34. Exodus 34, verses 6 to 7. And the Lord passed before Moses. This is uh, God telling Moses to go up on the mountain. Uh, Moses, because he's going to show Moses who he is. But he has to, you know, cover uh, Moses' eyes and, and pass before him. Um, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. I always had a question about that last part. You know, Visiting the iniquity of the fathers to the children and the children's children. Um, I I understand that part of the, the the understanding of these verses is it's compares it's a comparative verse, right? Saying that God's mercy and forgiveness is much greater than his 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 wrath and 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 judgment, um, right? Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Um, you know, part of that, part of the understanding, how we can understand this verse is uh, God's mercy is, is, is so great. Um, but I think the longer that I, the longer that I work in the public defender's office, the longer that I see the things that go on in the world, uh, there is a lot of truth to the idea that the iniquities of the fathers are visited on the children and the children's children. So many times, I, I work in the juvenile division. Uh, so many times uh, when, I, when we get cases of juveniles gone astray, I get a phone call from the parents and I can tell immediately why they've gone astray. Okay, the sins of the parents are being visited on, on the kids. And if the kids are messed up, then even the grandkids are messed up. Um, <clears throat> You know, 
especially if you think about the family structure back in those days. Oftentimes, the, you have three generations of people living together, right? The grandparents, the parents, and the children. And so what one does, what the grandparent does, does have an effect on the grandchildren. Um, and so perhaps God is just being very practical there when he says he visits the iniquity of the parents on the children and the children's children. It's very true. Um, and you see that played out all over our society today. Um, the, we have one case where the, uh, the person is into drugs and had a child early. The child is messed up because in the womb they had drugs. And now because this child was messed up, this child had another child, you know, after many years, who, who also was under the influence of drugs in the womb. So it's, it's just, you know, it, it's, it's a reality that, that the iniquities that we have are visited uh, to, to several generations. Um, but again, don't miss out on the emphasis of that verse, which is that God's mercy is, is so great, much greater than, than our sin. That's what I was going to say. Um, when you have someone who comes to Christ and they determine, I'm going to break that cycle of ungodliness, mm -hmm. and then you have generations of following Christ. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right. Um, I mean, I can trace back my my family tree goes back maybe five, six generations of, of knowing Christ. Now, there were maybe generations in between that fell away and came back and fell away and came back. But yeah, it was, you know, my, my family five or six generations ago came to, came to know Christ. So, um, yes, any, any uh, last questions before we end Sunday school or comments?